Hey, everybody. It's your buddy, Jack. Hope this podcast finds you finds you doing well. Right? I always like to wish um, my listeners a, you know, a blessed day, good day. Right? Whether you're just getting started or your day's ending. Right? I really hope that it was a day that brought you mm, maybe great joy, but at least a... a a peaceful day, right? Not all days can bring us joy, as we all know, <laughs> right? But it, it would be nice, right? It would be nice if every day was like a really, 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 really good day, right? Um, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you'll find that it was for one of you, if I'm talking to couples, and it wasn't for the other. Then you have to, oh man, then you got to show some grace, right? Then you got to show some grace. I know if my wife has a bad day, I have to take it easy, right? I don't want to make it worse, right? I do what I can to make it better, um, but I definitely do not want to make it worse. I'm sure you've heard that, uh, What's that saying? Uh, happy, happy life, happy wife, happy life, right? I think that holds a lot of truth to it, for sure, for sure. Anyway, glad you joined me today. Um, I appreciate you guys very much. Do not forget to hit that support button. I appreciate you guys that do support this podcast. Anything and everything that you feel led to contribute uh, to this podcast to help us out, I'm grateful. I'm more than grateful. I'm blessed. I count it all a blessing, no matter what it is, right? I even take a uh, uh, prayer. If you're a praying person and uh, you want to pray over this podcast uh, from right where you're sitting and listening, please do, right? Nothing wrong with a prayer offering, and uh, I absolutely am grateful for that, too. So whatever you feel led uh, to contribute, I appreciate it. And also, don't forget to hit that uh, message button. Start a conversation with me. Be glad to talk about anything, right? Anything that I've shared in these podcasts. Um, maybe you can share some more insight, add some education, um, something I may have missed, right? Or you just want to share with me about how things are going. Uh, if you are able to share your experience in any one of the particular topics and um, you want to share your growth, or your struggle. I'm here to listen, right? Uh, And I'm grateful for whatever it is. Thank you so much. Uh, Don't forget to start that message button conversation. I appreciate you. Today I'm talking about, which is one of the weirdest topics, right? Couples that keep score. Keeping score. You know, there are so many ways that a person can contribute to a relationship. Right? So many aspects aside from financially. Sometimes we get stuck there because, let's face it, being broke can cause stress in a relationship. But money is not the end all, cure all contribution to every marital stressor out there. Right? So, couples that keep score. Mm, Man, 
If you want to find a fast track to ruining a relationship, this has to be one of them for sure. Keeping score. Tit for tat bickering, right? I do more around the house. Make sure or make more money on and on, right? People say those things to each other. I make more money. I do more around the house. I do this. I do that. It's a train wreck waiting to happen. It's like some couples forget that marriage is a team effort. You two together create and maintain a household. Maintain a working relationship. Do not resort to keeping score. Right? The act of keeping score inhibits your ability to empathize with your partner and threatens to foster resentment in your relationship. Oh, man, that alone preach, right? Mm. Keeping score inhibits your ability to empathize and fosters resentment. Mm. Because keeping score is based on, is, is biased. Everyone has a different system they use to catalog what is deemed good or bad. An unhealthy phenomenon in many long-term intimate relationships is the tendency to keep score. Right? That's a characteristic, I think, that just sort of seeps its way in. As time goes and your relationship becomes more and more long-term, right? It is not so much keeping score that is the problem, but that when partners do keep score, they tend to unfairly focus on the negative. Most often, I hear a list of all the things a partner did not do or things he or she uh, did that were insufficient or hurtful your partner will poke holes in your argument and come back with what he or she thinks is a superior score oh my gosh instead of trying to understand your partner's feelings or point of view you probably reciprocate by finding flaws in your partner's argument and so the cycle continues if you take turns blurting out what you think you do best for the relationship and the other one's already thinking about a way to punch a hole into that theory right there's no real communication you talk about communication breakdown right communication breakdown that's what starts to happen there but don't keep score Right? Don't keep score. It's a common relationship trap. To tally up all the ways that you give and your partner doesn't. I'm always the one who takes out the trash. That's a big one. You think as you take out the trash as you take out the trash for the fourth time that month, right, that you should be proud. That your spouse should be proud. 
but nobody really cares. It's a household chore or duty, right? It's a household chore or duty. Or you get, why am I always the one getting up with the baby in the middle of the night? Mm. You wonder as you sit exhausted, rocking your little one at 3 a.m., I'm always the one who initiates sex. That's another one. You tell a friend over tea. So, you're exhausted rocking the baby in the first scenario. Why are you always the one getting up in the middle of the night? Right? Or in the second scenario, you feel like you're the one that's always initiating sex. And you tell a friend over tea. I gotta take a pause right there. Uh, oh my gosh. Don't tell a friend. Right? Especially if it's a friend of the opposite sex. Oh my gosh. That's a whole other podcast. You're complaining about how you have to initiate sex to a friend of the opposite sex. Mm. There's messy written all over that, right? Bad things can happen. As soon as the other person starts to turn on the charm, right? Please don't discuss your sex life or lack of sex life. I wouldn't discuss it with anyone, but especially not someone of the opposite sex. I'll have to do one on that, okay? Well, that's enough about that. But it's natural to notice when you're doing more of a certain task or action in a relationship. But if you stop there, your feelings will quickly fester into a stew of resentment. That's the other half of the problem. You let it grow and you let it grow, right? And you let it create more heartache and more stress. The resentment is building because for some reason you want to wait till you're prepared to explode. To share what your concern is. Mm. Keeping score is a me-centered way of operating by which you're elevating your role in the relationship to a place of superiority. And unfortunately for us guys, sometimes, well, I guess either way, there are people who already tend to have a superiority complex, right? Seem to come across as holier than thou. This will add to the problem, right? This will add to the problem, elevating your role in the relationship to a place of superiority. And if you're up, then your partner has only one place to land, down. Down in the swamp, right? Stagnant pond, not enough. All those things we think. He doesn't love me enough. He doesn't care enough. He don't love, I don't love him enough. Mm. Lord, it's really, really disheartening. When I hear couples argue with this kind of verbiage, right? The not enough mindset will quickly spiral into your seeing your relationship through the glass half-empty lens. Because then everything tends to not be enough. Which will then negatively impact how you feel about your partner. I know we've talked about it. 
don't know how many times. But I hear it in my sessions all the time, right? I don't know. We just grew apart. We lost interest. Oh, my gosh. It's like, why did you not take a time to dig a little deeper into what was causing that? Right? I don't know. It's just one of those things, too, that seems to... I know that marriage takes work. I'm fixing to go on 22 years married. Right? But some people seem to be so lackadaisical about wanting to put forth the effort and wait till things are bad to begin to wonder what was wrong. Right? There was one simple antidote for the habit of keeping score. Give for the joy of giving. Give because it makes your relationship run more smoothly. Give because you see that a task needs to get done and you know you're capable of doing it. Give is the love juice that lubricates the rough spots and takes the squeaky out of the wheels. Right? Just give. Give your time. Give your energy. Right? There are a lot of things that happen in a relationship that if you just quit keeping score and just do. Right? Sometimes that tends to bring the other person around. Now, of course, we're talking about a healthy relationship other than keeping score. Right? If you've got a, you know, just a super lazy whoever he or she is, that's, again, another whole topic, right? Mm. When you focus too much on how much you're giving and your partner isn't, thereby keeping score, the giving actually morphs into an act of taking, right? So don't stop giving. A second ago, I talked about how much giving can go on. Now this is talking about how if you really start keeping score and start focusing about how much you're giving, this can morph into an act of taking. It's not. It's no longer unconditional giving. It's giving with strings attached as you covertly and possibly subconsciously, maybe, attempt to earn points in the relationship. True giving asks nothing in return. The joy is in the giving itself. Right? So if you run off and buy something sweet for your honey, not for the purpose of buying something sweet for your honey, because of the possible return you might get on it, if that's the hidden reason for why you do it, mm, you're going to always be disappointed because it's unfair. Your partner doesn't know that that's why you gave to them. It's because of the expectation of a desired return. It's not a fair game. Not a fair game at all. Some insight I got from uh, this website, mindbodygreen.com. If you're in a loving relationship, chances are very high that your partner 
gives in other ways. So for everything that you do, you could easily take your thought process to the next level and notice everything your partner does to keep the relationship sailing smoothly. And when you give for the sake of giving, you will likely naturally notice the ways that your partner gives. It's kind of like everyone's love language. They're different. They're different, right? If one partner likes to do a lot of the cleaning, right? And the other partner takes notice and maybe doesn't help, but is willing to keep the kids entertained, willing to keep the pets entertained and out of the way, willing to move the heavy stuff, right? That is their half, right? They may not have picked up a broom, a vacuum cleaner, a mop, but they helped in another way. In my keeping score, if I were to do that, that would be a tie, right? That would be a tie. So, okay, check this out. If you're the uh, wife that says, um, you've, you've managed to set up the kids' activities for the week, you've shopped for and made dinner, and this is was difficult because everyone has different tastes, right? So this is the spouse that's going through all of this. You you email back and forth all day about things you need to do for the PTA meeting on Wednesday, right? You stopped and picked up your husband's dry cleaning, and you scheduled the guy to finally mow the yard and rake leaves. You've had a busy day. Then your husband gets home and thinks it's a good idea to sneak in some sex before you all have to go pick up the kids from their respective sports, right? Just looking for a little quick fun. Then you think you're exhausted already and still have a full night of kids, homework, baths, and more emails, and you've time managed yourself down to the second to get all these things done. You did not factor in sex with your hubby. When you rebuff his advances and he complains, you never want to have sex anymore. He feels that you don't make time for him. Now, you're pissed and you're quick, quickly start to give uh, your report of the long list of things that you've done all day. Okay, sure, it sounds like you had a busy day. Husband comes home, notices you're home alone, wants to show some attention and get some attention, I guess. And your response is to refuse him, reject him, and go down the list of all the things that you've already had to do today and still have yet to do the evening. This is keeping score. You've got your scorecard out, and it's full, so you think you are covered. Well, you're not. And once again, this competition puts you in the loser's seat. If it was up to your husband, he'd rather you all order in pizza. The kids went to bed slightly stinky. <laughs> and he got 
a little bit of attention from you. Your list means nothing to him. The things on your list are all about what you deem important and necessary. He's not on that list. But he's right that you don't prioritize and make time for him. And this could go back and forth. This could be the guy too, right? Guys tend to take on work a lot too and seem very work-focused. Anyway, again, if a strong marriage is your goal and your partner's telling you he feels ignored in some way, then listening, right? Listening about all the ways you do or don't ignore him isn't the answer. And listing all the things that you do as a priority doesn't help either. Your scorecard doesn't matter to him. Instead, ask your partner what he would like to see more of in the relationship. I personally think you should probably ask each other, right? What could you do to let him know you're a priority? Reading off your list is about being you or about you being right. It's not about your partner and you being happy, right? That's what that sounds like. It's like I've had to do this and I've had to do that and uh, this and that and I got to go and... Mm. And he's not on the list of priorities. You got to make time for each other. And you can't keep score in that manner, right? Can't keep score in that manner. And for sure, there are going to be times where one or the other person in the relationship is going to want to be on that list of priorities, right? You got to find... You got to find balance in that. I know there are a lot of busy couples out there when you got one kid, but two or three as well. It can make for a busy day, right? The mornings are jam packed with getting ready for the day. The evenings can be jam packed. We're wrapping the day up. Dinner and baths and school activities if you got them, right? And I do know firsthand that it's tiring. It's rewarding when you get to have that kind of time with your kids, but it's tiring. But your relationship can't always take a back seat to that activity. Sometimes it's got to come center stage and you got to make it a point to make each other right. The star of the show. Um, It's just tough. It is tough. But you got to make it happen, all right? So, for now, let's, let's let's take a glance at what really goes on sometimes when scorekeeping is done. Often, scorekeeping spouses justify keeping track of their spouse's wrongdoings because of past hurts, wounds, and disappointments they've endured in a relationship. Even if a husband or wife manages to score points. In their relationship efforts, it only takes one major mess up 
to nullify all their previous successes and have a spouse focus predominantly on the failures. And guys, man, that doesn't even sound healthy. You know, and I've heard husbands and I've heard wives say it too. I do and do and do I do. And then I mess this up and that's what you focus on. Predominantly on the failures. My wife has this saying, a lot of people say it, not just her, but she says that hurt people hurt people. And there's a lot of, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, right? Consequently, a wounded spouse often believes they are in the right and adding up points. But keeping score can cause, mm, it definitely can cause irreparable damage to a marriage. Put the dead gum scorecard down. Jeez. It's not healthy. I got the kids more than you. You don't even let me see them. I got the kids more often, or I want the kids more often. I bought them those shoes. Well, I bought them two pairs of shirt. Oh, my gosh. When it, beca- <laughs> when it becomes a thing about the kids and competing, and keeping those kind of scores, it's wrong. It's wrong. Don't do it. Keeping score can also be rooted in pride. Here I am going to make a few biblical references, so bear with me. Remember, this is for my faith-based listeners, too, because why? Jack is an all-inclusive podcast guy. I want everyone to get a little bit of something about what I'm talking about. And if I can add some faith-based pieces to it to help my faith friends, right, then I want to do that. And if this piece doesn't matter to you, that's okay. Maybe if you listen to the verbiage and not consider where the source is, right, Sometimes people say things that are scriptural, and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. But anyway, here we go. Remember, all-inclusive. As a spouse, we can choose humility, recognizing that blaming one another is rooted in pride. Mm. Uh, um, Proverbs 11.2 offers insight into the fruit of pride. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Now, see, if I didn't even tell you that was scriptural, right? (laughs) You thought, hey, that's a pretty cool saying. I'm going to get that tattooed on me. No, just kidding. But that's what happens, right? That's what happens. So rather than pointing out a spouse's failures in ways that hurt or tear them down, right? You don't have to be condescending and demeaning when you're trying to prove a point, right? You don't have to do that. You mix these two together, keeping score, and you take on a condescending tone 
where you're talking down at someone. And then you wonder why they don't want to do anything with you. I don't know. I just have to wonder, right? I just have to wonder. I know that if I always, you've heard me say, you, we can train people on how to interact with us. I truly believe that. I truly believe that whether it's our spouses uh, or whoever your significant other is in your relationship, all the way down to the kids. If your wife or child comes to you, dude, with something that's on their mind and it gets blown out of the water or they get talked down to or they get screamed at right or you take a few minutes to express how stupid it is or maybe even worse start a full-blown argument over whatever it is sooner or later they're going to stop coming to you they're going to stop coming to you. And I believe that might be how some affairs start. I talked about not going to someone of the opposite sex to express your marital stressors. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I really am standing by that. Don't do it. But it happens. It happens. She will find somebody at work that has a big, strong shoulder to lean on. Describe your scorekeeping and your condescending put-downs and the tone in which you express them. And whoever this Joe Blow is, is going to find a way to make sure that he understands what she's going through. Right? So again, don't do it. Don't do it. So rather than pointing out your spouse's failures in ways that hurt or tear them down, we could choose humility. Come on, guys. There's a lot of us that need a lot of that. We could choose humility, letting God's kindness flow through us to help console and comfort your significant other. So here we're looking for humility and the ability to console and comfort. That's the approach that needs to be taken. Not the condescending put-downs. Just because you think something is stupid, for some reason your child or your spouse thought it important enough to bring to you. Right? And now you've done is snuff out whatever they're feeling. Because once you tell them that the problem doesn't matter, it's no big deal, it's stupid, why don't you get over it? Then you've also, then you've also snuffed out their feelings, right? So then all of a sudden, the feelings they have about whatever it is they're coming to you with, you've just sort of made them null and void. Mm. It happens a lot. So let's take a look at one more, well, a couple more scriptures from my faith friends. Philippians 2, 3 urges us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
rather in humility value others above yourself that's part of the problem sometimes we can't value others above ourselves that's related to that superiority complex i described earlier right so these are a lot of the reasons why some people keep score right they're above better than feel like they do more right and, or everything that they do in the relationship is more important mm, good golly miss molly Anyway, keeping score leads to discontent. Expecting a husband or wife to never disappoint, to never hurt, or to never let you down causes couples to have unrealistic expectations. Because spouses, sometimes unintentionally and sometimes on purpose, hurt each other out of their own wounds. Right? Letdowns can quickly lead to disillusionment. So be careful what is driving your need to keep score. Right? And pay attention to the fact that people in general, because we're human first, do make mistakes. Right? Right when you think one's going to zig, they zag. So you have to leave room for that. You have to leave room for forgiving that. You can't put that on the scorecard. Because it happens. But keeping score in a marriage with hopes of making things right only brings more discontent. You wonder why your wife is always so frustrated? You know, I kind of have this theory that your wife or significant other's behavior could be a reflection of you. Right? Think about that for a second. Your wife's behavior could be a reflection of you. Mm, Write that down. Share it with everybody. Right? So instead, here's one more scripture. Luke 6, 29 tells us, If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other one also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. A gentle response to a spouse to a spouse's wrong action can bring godly sorrow and healing to broken areas in the relationship more effectively than keeping score. Right? And that scripture is really about, it says turn the other cheek, and we know what that means. Right? We know what that means. It's not literal about turning your face the other side so they can punch you again. But it does mean every once in a while, they're going to do something that frustrates you or hurts you. Right? So you turn that spiritual cheek. Right? Extend some grace and some forgiveness, which will then promote healing and whatever this is. And will help 
to avoid couples from keeping score. Right? Keeping score breeds fear. Keeping score leads to a spouse to believe it doesn't matter if they do a hundred things right. Because it only takes one wrong action to erase all their previous scoring. Fearful of being punished, of messing up, or punished for messing up, a spouse soon finds ways around the score grid, leading some to dishonesty and deceitfulness going to, down the street or going to the co-worker's office because Joe Blow's got a big, strong shoulder that he'll let me lean on. Right? This is where it leads to dishonesty and deceitfulness rather than facing losing scoreboard consequences. You follow me? Instead of cultivating a relationship of transparency and confession, a low-scoring spouse looks for ways to avoid the confrontation and penalties tied to failing. And it really, really... I don't know, it breaks my heart maybe that a spouse would have to feel like they want to avoid confrontation because of their penalties, right? Come on now. Mm. A low-scoring spouse looks for ways to avoid the confrontation. Looks for ways to avoid the confrontation. That means they're not going to come to you. I hope you're hearing that. Mm. Keeping score sets up opponents. Now you're opponents. You're not the beautiful wedded husband and wife. They vowed to each other through thick and thin. You've become opponents. Oh my gosh. Keeping score in a marriage causes a you-against-me mentality in a relationship. While living with a team attitude is much more enjoyable than living like opponents pitting against each other. You're supposed to be the team, not the opponent. Mm. Boy, that'll preach. But the enemy looks for ways to cause division in marriages, stirring up strife and baiting couples to be at odds, causing marriages to turn into battlegrounds. Still, God didn't design marriage to be a competition between husband and wife, but rather where spouses are called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's Ephesians 5.21. But you wouldn't know that if I just simply had said, submit to one another out of reverence and grace for each other. You wouldn't know that was scriptural. Mm. You got to find a way to manage that spiritual connection. 
that spiritual and emotional connection because that's where all the it mentioned attacks. I don't know if you guys, some of you guys listen, believe in spiritual warfare, but I do. And this is one description for reasons why. Okay. One Sunday, it's a personal story. It's a true story. One Sunday, my wife and I and three of our five kids went to church. Praise and worship was moving, heart-wrenching, tear-jerking, right? Beautiful music. The sermon that Sunday was spot-on, timely, right, and growth-inducing and moving. We get out of service, service, and we're coming through the church halls, and everybody is glad to see each other, shaking hands, hugging, right, having after-church conversations. And everybody you can see is in good spirits, right? It was a really good, feel-good Sunday. (coughs) We get to our car. We get in the car. And as I'm starting the car, I ask, what's for lunch? And the fight is on. No one anticipated, because even the kids are laughing. The fight is on. One kid says one thing, another kid says another thing. The other one says, we always do what y'all want to do. I don't even like that place. I want to go here, but I like this and I like that. Why do you always get your way? And the bickering is going. Right? And then me, dad, decides to say something, right? And then I get attacked. We can't eat there. Why do you always want to eat like that? You're a diabetic. You can't eat stuff like that all the time. What does it matter with you? You never take care of... And here we are. We ain't even left the parking lot. And my personal opinion, the devil was sitting on the hood of my car when we got out of church, ready to rob, steal, and destroy that grace that we felt coming out of the church, that peace that we felt coming out of the church. He was ready to snatch right out of our hands just as a little bit of a reminder that I'm out there too. That's what the devil was telling us. I'm out here too. And just because you had that beautiful feel-good service, I'm still going to rattle you from time to time. Mm, Come on now. Quick keeping score. Because it puts you on a path to looking for negative things. And you always tend to find what you're looking for. It always seems that you find what you're looking for. And if you're looking for ways to tear down your spouse, just look. Just look. All of a sudden, you don't like this shirt, those jeans, them shoes, the way you talk to me. Hmm. I'm always tired of being the nice one. Oh, my gosh. Put the scorecard down. Put the scorecard down and work on your positive pieces of your marriage. And talk about the things that you wish could change before they become argument points. Right? Because then it's too late. Then it's too late. 
anyway, hope you guys got something out of this. Please share it with a friend. I know that a lot of couples keep score, and it's devastating them, and they may not even know it. Share with them. I appreciate your time. Thanks a bunch. Be blessed, everybody. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye for now. Thank you.